Hello there, Horribles, and welcome to episode 48 of Progressively Horrified. We are going to talk about The Witch in this episode. We have our good friend Sweeney Boo on. But before we jump in, I wanted to... Uh, just one quick note. We are coming up on October, in which we're going to be doing a series of episodes about the big slasher film franchises. We're going to have a big party for each episode, so we're going to have a whole bunch of people on here talking about it. It's going to be a great time, so make sure you turn in for that all through October. Every Friday in October, we'll have new episodes. We're talking Halloween, Friday the 13th, Child's Play, Saw. Uh, we're talking Nightmare on Elm Street. It's going to be a great time, so make sure you're here. On top of that, if you haven't had a chance yet, if you can, we would greatly appreciate it if you joined us on Patreon. Uh, we put up free episodes on there for people who are at the $5 tier and above, which give you uh, all of our episodes that we do about the Fast and the Furious movies that we call Progressively Furious that come out every month. And we also give you each episode a week early. So you could already be listening to our episode from next week, which is about Drag Me to Hell. Uh, you could have heard this one a week ago. But we would greatly appreciate it if you can't jump, pitch in. Uh, we completely understand. It's hard times for everybody. But we would love it if you could uh, rate and review us and pass on the word about the podcast so we can get more folks involved. Uh, we love you, and we're going to jump right into the episode right now. So until next time, stay horrified. Good evening, and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the show where we hold horror to standards it absolutely never agreed to. <laughs> Good evening and a welcome to Progressively Horrified, the podcast where we hold horror to progressive standards it never agreed to. Tonight, we're talking about what I'm pretty sure is the historical prequel to Sabrina the Teenage Witch, the Vivich, or the Witch. I am your host, Jeremy Whitley, and with me tonight, I have a panel of cinephiles and cinebites. First, my co-host and comic book writer, Ben Kahn. Ben, how are you tonight? If you want me to pronounce the W, don't put two Vs on the poster. I'm going to pronounce it how it's stylized. Looking at you, fan four stick. <laughs> the double V. Next up, my frequent collaborator, comics artist, and Black Philip witch aficionado, Emily Martin. How are you tonight, Emily? I am doing well. Okay. I love witches. Yes, we all love witches. And, and wonderful. <laughs> well, just wonderful. I love the marvelous well. Um, this was the first movie we've done that wasn't a foreign language film that I had to turn on subtitles for. Yeah, I didn't, which I think says more about where I live than anything. Um, and our special I, guest tonight, the writer and artist of Eat and Love Yourself and the upcoming Over My Dead Body, as well as the artist on Marvel Action, Captain Marvel, and the punchline backup stories in the Joker series, it's Sweeney Boo. Sweeney, it's great to have you. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm sad that I'm, I don't have prepared like a little bit like everyone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we really actually have bits until we start saying them. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I had no plan. Oh, yeah, no, I come up with all my one-liners like 30 seconds before it's time for my intro. You're all very good at it. <laughs> no, thank you so much for coming on and being here. We were so happy to have you today. Yeah, absolutely. Nice to be here. Yeah, Welcome. This, uh, this, this was actually a movie that uh, you chose. I understand Great it's a call. favorite of yours. What, uh... Yeah. Great pick. Great pick. I 
really like this movie. Again, the subtitle issue, if I had seen this in theaters, I would have been furious. <laughs> yeah, it's it's got, boy, it's, it's got a lot of, uh, what did Emily call it, pilgrim talk and, and it, uh, some Pennsylvania Dutch accent in there. A little bit of Ralph, everything. I hope I'm pronouncing this right. Ralph Anason is incredible in this movie. He also has the growliest voice I have ever heard. Oh my god, his voice is so deep and like it just like grabs you. It's so weird. Yeah, there was something. Um, I think you guys were talking on Twitter about the uh, um, or someone was talking about the sound mixing in the movie, but I can't imagine it's easy for any sound mixer, uh, sound mixologist, if you will, to integrate. Uh, to integrate Ralph Innocent's voice into anything that he doesn't have, like, isn't doing voiceover for. Because, like, yeah. in The Green Knight, he was doing voiceover. You know, I'm is sure he all that. Green Knight? Oh, he is my, the I Green have Knight to see Green Knight. Green Knight. He's the voice of The oh, Green Knight. I have to see this movie. He's the voice of a lot of stuff. Like, he's in um, the Dark Crystal series uh, as one of the, the Skeksis. I think he's like the cool hunter Skeksis. I mostly know him from Game of Thrones and Chernobyl. Oh, yeah, that's right. He's in Chernobyl. I forgot about that. Um, yeah, everything uh... is so deep and gravelly in that. Oh, my God, right? Like, Jared <laughs> Harris is the highest voice character in that whole show, yeah. including the women. Yeah, speaking of the Green Knight, uh, both both the parents from this are in the Green Knight. Uh, both Ralph Ennison and Kate Dickel. I who, uh, have to imagine that was a real like. The casting director saw on Game of Thrones was like, "Fuck yes, we just found our perfect crazy mom." I think she's sort of a an A twenty four productions mainstay. But I mean, oh, she awesome. just looks like their aesthetic. I think is the thing. Like Sorry. gaunt and weathered, and uh, of course, the star of this movie is Anya Taylor Joy, which this was her first like actual movie that she was in, which is shocking because she's amazing in it. Yeah, she's yeah. awesome. I will say, I could watch Ralph and Ace and Chop Wood shirtless all day. <laughs> well, you're I in luck. <laughs> I have a question though for Sweeney. Without any spoilers, can you tell us why you chose this movie? Um, so I've never been into like horror movies whatsoever and then last year I just fell into a rabbit hole and we my, my partner and I just watched a bunch and for me this one is not like a horror movie or like you don't have jump scare you don't have all of that it's more of like the unsettling idea of um, family and problems within the family in that era which is so disturbing oh. and I loved that and uh, I'm obsessed with witches and I thought it was really um really great de depiction of it in a way um so yeah i just it's it's just, it's a really good movie on, on many many ways this movie definitely made me want to see more horror period pieces so this is directed by robert eggers whose other big movie is the lighthouse which is also an a24 sort of horror movie um also sort of period i, like um, I could definitely see the line from the vivich to the lighthouse yeah like it again when i read when i saw that it was the same director i'm like yeah that checks out that makes sense yeah and i, I think the production studio that, that made this a24 you know who also made the green knight who also made midsummer and hereditary and it comes at night they have a very like different aesthetic of horror where it's not there's no slashers there's very few cases of anybody being you know chased around um it's very like aesthetic horror spooky violins and chanting and 
um, you know, lots, lots of pictures of the, there's lots of shots of the woods in this movie. Um, yes. And that's, Again, it, it's very different. Generally, kind of why I, generally why I don't like to watch these movies with subtitles is a little bit of the tension is definitely taken away when the screen reads ominous chiming intensifies. <laughs> <laughs> there's a, there's actually like a master post somewhere that I found of all of the screenshots of the witch with um, the Netflix subtitles being ominous music. Um, it's a really, it's pretty funny. And like, you know, nice spoiler free rundown of the film. Unfortunately, it's entirely visual. So it doesn't really fit with the podcast. Otherwise I'd be like, here you go. Um, I'll send it to y'all on Twitter later. But um, yeah, the, there's a sense of dread in all these films. Like there's always this, this like, heavy feeling i mean the the green knight um we re i recently saw and it was a little bit more whimsical but everything was there's a lot of grayness um and uh midsummer was probably the least gray of these movies and it still felt dreadful in that way not like i mean it was it was dreadful in a lot of ways but um it's it you felt that like uncomfortable horrible just sense of almond um, ominousness totally. I guess there, there's definitely that like disturbing feel like even if there had been no supernatural elements in this movie it could have been just as effective as a movie about a family losing their minds through isolation and religious extremism I mean that's to me that's what it was um yeah yeah um, yeah it's uh so the IMDB the what it's about of this movie is a family in the 1630s New England is torn apart by the forces of witchcraft, black magic, and possession. Um, so we, we talked about everybody that's in this, except for Harvey Scrimshaw, who plays the young Caleb, who is excellent in this movie, who doesn't have yeah, a lot of credits because he's very young, but he is he's really good. So, this kid he's deserves amazing. an Oscar. Yeah. Oh, my he God. Was, I, mean, I was they're... blown away by him. No, there is one jump scare in this movie, I feel. One goat-based jump scare that I had to go back and be like, how did this work exactly? How did the, how did everything have to be positioned? I mean, yeah, but. Apparently. Like you had to go forward, then go back. I'm like, those horns don't look right for. Apparently uh, reading up on this movie, there was supposed to be a lot more stuff with the goat Black Phillip. Apparently he was very poorly trained. So uh, a lot of those scenes got, uh, got nixed because I guess, uh not i mean it's not spoilery but there's a point where the he has sort of a wrestling match with the dad and he has to sort of be shoved back into a pen apparently that's not in the script that just happened so <laughs> yeah, yeah apparently uh, he, he ended up in the hospital for a little bit oh wow wait the goat or ralph and Asen? Uh, the, the 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 guy because uh <laughs> The, the goat name is Charlie, and Charlie was just like impossible to work. Yeah, screenwriting tip for all you listeners out there. If you're writing a story that's heavily dependent on an animal actor, maybe don't. Well, I mean, it is also a goat. And, um, you know, some some animals, I mean, goats can be trained, certainly. But this the, this goat looked like just as feral as the uh, the character is supposedly, supposedly depicted. Um, yeah, but uh, goats are traditionally uh, ornery or difficult creatures, right? Yeah. Um, so talking about the scary level of this movie, would you guys say this is spoopy as in not scary, spooky as in a little scary, terrifying as in very scary, 
or just existentially disconcerting? I'm going to go with terrifying to existentially disconcerting. This, this thing tops out. Yeah. yeah, I agree with Emily. Terrifying to existentially. I mean, there's so much that's terrifying. Just, again, like you said, the family just collapsing from madness and isolation. I mean, it, it's just terrifying on a deep level. Yeah, generally, for me, it's, it's you know, mostly spooky. Uh, there is definitely something existentially disconcerting. Um, part, part of it is just the... Um, not knowing of a lot of stuff in this movie um and the religious fundamentalism um that's so that's, jesusy this is yeah. a very jesusy movie yeah in, in some interesting ways which i think you know we'll, we'll definitely discuss as well um so you know i guess that's a good lead into trigger warnings uh there is definitely lots of <laughs> lots of religious fundamentalism in this movie there's definitely abuse violence towards children death of children and sad animal death as we've once again, reason, every movie we the, watch, the fucking dog dies again. God damn it. Real quick, though, Sweeney, what, would you call this movie terrifying or ex- um, not to lead the lead the witness? <laughs> I would say I would say just spooky. It's definitely unsettling and all of that. But um, I wouldn't go for unsettling. I don't know. Um, for like terrifying. I think, I think it's right. OK, I see, I've seen The Lighthouse and The Lighthouse was way more disturbing. Okay, interesting. I and and for me. A lot of the the terror in the movie is as much as like all this other shit is going on with like the all the triggers we just talked about, where you have you know this the, the abuse. I mean, I feel like the terror in this movie is the abuse. It's mm-hmm. it's the the family dynamic, um, the supernatural stuff. Uh, the imagery is very very visceral, but um, but I feel like the 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 imagery, like the 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 symbolist Im- imagery, and like the um, the dreamscapes and stuff, all that all the magic stuff in this movie is actually more palatable than the actual things happening to the family and their dog. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I will say, if you go oh, into one this more movie trigger- with the the horror movie idea of uh, oh, they won't kill the baby. Um, you know, first, it's not a spoiler. It's in the first five minutes. They kill that baby. Oh, yeah, that baby's dead. Oh, uh, another trigger warning. There is a real weird incest subplot in this film. Yeah, and there's a lot of, like, weird sexual undertones that are very uncomfortable for a lot of things. It's not It's not explicit in that way, but it's it, it, yeah. the context makes it very upsetting. Yeah, It is. It's also, I think, kind of part and parcel with the ways that I, that this crazy isolation is fucking them all up, which mm-hmm. again, we don't learn what the exact religious dispute is, but how fucking crazy do you have to be into religion for the Puritans to be like, you're too much for us. Get the yeah, fuck out. Dude yeah. is t- too Puritan for Puritans. And that is bananas. <laughs> yeah. They're like Calvinists. So it's like um, what they're believing is like, you know how you're like you're born you're born from sin mm-hmm. their idea is like everyone is a sinner and the only people who go to heaven are like the chosen ones but they never know who are the chosen ones. so they're basically just like living in like this guilt and that's what is like plus everything else is just like making them go crazy because they don't know if they're gonna end up to heaven or whatever minor spoilers um but when William is talking to Caleb, when Caleb is wondering what happened to his dead little brother, if he's in heaven or hell, that was such a fucked up scene because you could see William like 
he is trying his best, but all he is succeeding at doing is beyond psychologically scarring his son. Mm-hmm. Like he is traumatizing this kid. Like he's trying his best, but he is only compounding the trauma. Yeah. 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 I, it's, uh, yeah. So, I mean, let's go ahead and jump into to talking about it. We're past the no spoilers section. Um, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the setup here and we can get to, I mean, that, that whole scene, which is a small religious lesson on, on original sin, uh, it comes pretty early here. So, um, uh, as you were saying, like the first thing we get is them being sort of like, they're being tried in front of folks at the, uh, at whatever the settlement is that they are in, in, uh, New England there, they are too religiously radical for the Puritans. I don't know. I gotta say, as a Jewish person, there was a lot of times on this movie where I'm like, Goyam be cray. (laughs) I mean, I think that's sort of the movie's main message. (laughs) I mean, you're you're not wrong. Um, (laughs) So we we get to meet the, basically the only characters we'll have in this movie after the first scene immediately are uh, William, who's the the father played by Ralph Innocent, who takes his wife, Catherine, Kate Dickey, uh, and his children, his eldest daughter, Thomason, who's Anya Taylor-Joy, his eldest son, Caleb, who's Harvey Scrimshaw, their creepy twins, Mercy and Jonas, and their baby, Sam, to this to form a new homestead out in the wilderness of North America somewhere, presumably in New England. This movie does a very good job of showing that survival farming is both really, really hard and also really sucks. Yeah, well, and they do have, to to be fair, they do have Bert the horse, Fowler the dog, and um, Flora the goat, and Black Phillip, the other goat. Lucifer goat. Yes. And they have, you know, and they have some chickens, some hens. There's some chickens and stuff, yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, so they they move pretty quickly through them settling in. Um, You know, they build a house, they plant some corn, um, they have you know their depends and everything's for the animals uh we we get a, a look at thomason who continues to be devout and confessor sins uh as well as doing a lot of the taking care of the kids uh along with her mom um and she she opens this uh this movie basically one of her first scenes is she takes the baby sam out to play peekaboo and is uh just laid sam down in the grass and is sitting over him covering her eyes and then doing peekaboo and uh she covers her eyes for just a second and when she looks up the baby's gone which is terrifying that was definitely one of those scenes where i wanted to see it from the other perspective if it had been a weird wacky movie where the witch being like all right she's playing peekaboo oh she goes right got the baby i mean that was that that was uncanny um but again you know the the, a lot of this movie being just the microcosm of this family already and also being these puritans um already i'm expecting like unreliable narrator right um because i mean again dude is so puritan the puritans kicked him out for being too puritan i mean he didn't like their shit so he was like no go that great scene where he's just like confessing to pride and eating dirt which that must have sucked because it sounded like he had a mouthful of dirt that entire speech i think that's how he gets the voice like that like every time he goes to to he literally ha- he literally eats gravel that's how he gets the gravelly voice that's what i'm saying so but i have a question for the forum because i didn't have a chance to look this up 
Is Thomason's prayer, is that a standard prayer? Oh, don't um, ask me. I don't know. <laughs> apparently it is. Uh, so I watched a, like a, an entire interview with the director and he was really into making the entire dialogue like accurate. And the way she prays is like supposedly completely also accurate. If a prayer doesn't begin with Baruch Adonai, I have no clue about it. <laughs> well, I'm, I've read a few of these folk tales, and I've actually um, read a little bit of the Valius Maleficorum or whatever, the like mm-hmm. the, the Witchfinder's Guide. Um, it sounds a lot cooler than it is because it's you know it's basically like a lot of very elaborate text with the F looking S's, you know, and uh, <laughs> the and about how women are cray. But um, the, uh, the the language, I mean, that 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 kind of diction is very, very much um, accurate to that. And, you know, I could recognize yeah. some of those, but Thomason's specific prayer there about how being idle in her work and. Um, yeah, I mean, she's she's making confession, which is, is pretty I, standard. Yeah, I do have to, if we're talking linguistic realism, though, I do have to get on my fucking high horse about how Please. Uh, 17th century British accents would have been a lot closer to modern day American accents than it would have been to modern day British accents. I mean, which is why technically Kevin Costner's the most accurate live action Robin Hood. <laughs> I'm <sighs> I'm squinting, but I. I just, I, I just, I feel like we need a Robin Hood with Danny McBride as Robin Hood. That just really, oh, he'd be that's amazing. how we have to do it. Can we get Seth Rogen as Friar Tuck? <laughs> I, mean, I feel I'm, like he's, gonna, in, he's in warming up to that his whole life. Um, just let me know when he shaves his head. I need um, one of the Waynes brothers to be Lil John. I don't care which. Why don't you just have Lil John be Lil John? Oh, yes. Now we're talking. Now we're cooking with gas. All right. Um, so yeah, I feel like the casting of this film, this film being the witch, not um, Robin Hood with Little John, is Little John. Um, the the casting of this film was basically like, okay, how sunken are these cheeks? How how skull like can we find? Can we make these people, or and or wayfish these children? Yeah, all um, I can figure from the- from everything she's been cast in is that there's just something that looks. Haunted by demons about Anya Taylor Joy, like oh, absolutely, oh yeah, like, we've seen Queen's Gambit. It's true. <laughs> there I is mean, the sorry. I just want to say, like, there isn't a single acting performance in this movie that is anything short of extraordinary. Like everyone is bringing their A plus game to this film. Yeah, and the writing. I mean, the the writing is really fantastic, and that it is very um, uh, traditional. I mean, it it feels a lot like a, a stage play. And the way that the the characters interact, but they're the the acting feels super genuine, mm-hmm. as opposed to um, like the performance that you get with like a traditional stage play. So, um, well, let me say this is actually one of the few parts that I think is very much unlike a stage play. As uh, after the babies is kidnapped, we get a cutaway from the family, which is rare in this movie, where like we see the witch running off through the woods and her her riding cloak, and we see her uh, knife a baby and then mortar and pestle some amount of that baby and then spread it all over her naked body. Um, and on which, her broom. Yep, because that's how she can fly. Baby yeah. blood equals flight, which yeah. again yeah. really makes you reconsider the Harry Potter universe 
in addition to all the other things that should make you reconsider the Harry Potter universe, <laughs> like the author. Uh-huh. 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 Mm. Yeah, which um, I, I think it's interesting because both here and in toward the end of the movie, when we get more exposition about how people become witches, we get something that I I have a little bit of difficulty with, which is that we get basically a step-by-step walkthrough of the Puritan understanding of witches as like satanic familiars that, you know, women who have literally signed a book to the devil and sacrificed babies and, uh, you know, engage in, in Congress with the devil. Um, and this, this book stays very close to things that are like testified to in witch trials mm-hmm. in a way that I find uncomfortable because like, is, this is a, a pop culture piece of art. Um, not, not unlike, you know, Sabrina for, for this bit in that like they're using um, sort of these, this xenophobic model of witches that Puritans created uh, to, you know, hang, burn and bury women that they uh, disagreed with as a way to like reconstruct, like reconstruct this horror sort of backwards from the xenophobia. Um, and like, I don't know, it's, it's really like the, the historical stuff is really interesting to me, but also it, it, it does sort of feel like whenever the director is talking about this movie in interviews, he talks about it being based on, on a lot of folklore and stuff like that. And to me, calling this stuff folklore seems kind of like calling the McCarthy trials juicy gossip, you know? Yeah, I mean, but I yeah. think it, it's, it's all about the context here. Because I feel like, I mean, the, the you have a lot of movies now where you have witches, like we were talking about the craft and stuff like that, where the witch is an empowering figure. Um, and I feel like, I, I mean, I could write essays about this movie and how it, it talks about paranoia and um, like symbolism and, you know, a toxic, uh, just being exposed to toxic upbringing and stuff like that and how that can really really affect somebody's worldview um and uh i guess i mean i also came when i first watched this movie i came into it saying like okay so these are puritans they're already fucked up you know (laughs) and we have the worst slash most i don't know i mean and this is my bias because you know uh, but we also know that there's a lot of issues with puritanical um the idealism but um, you know, I'm already seeing these people as as subject to a very, very bad, toxic world that now have also been going through the struggle of um, trying to build a community and basically colonizing and, you know, whatever the fuck else is going on there. So this is appropriately bleak and horrible. And, you know, with this opening sequence, we go from this trial where William is put on trial and then they like go in their sad little wagon across the, the gray landscape to the gray forest where they find the gray ground. And as they are kissing the gray ground in order to make their gray homestead, the most ominous music is playing. You don't need to, you don't need those subtitles for it because it is like the most jarring violins. Um, and they're, you know, you see this family rejoicing and the music tells you, uh-uh. They're fucked. Like, you know, they're fucked from the get go. So this movie is very distinctly New England horror. 
Yeah. You can you can have this movie take place in South Carolina. Like no, this is new this is New England horror through and through. Yeah, but I think it's important that the that we are seeing this so much through the the sort of tainted eye of these these very xenophobic people. Right? Um and I'm not talking about Puritans general and I'm not talking about I'm just talking about William and the uh the you know how he ha- must have brought his family up. You know, these are in, and these are kids who are going through puberty and they are terrified of themselves. Yeah, I think um, what disturbed, if not more, what disturbed me as much as the witch was just um, the, a family that goddamn religious. <laughs> yeah. The hell out of me. Uh, yeah, Sweeney? What I was thinking is that I, I think he's he's right to call it folklore and the idea of like, he's, he mixes like real, real thing that happened of like this, these people who were scared of women and calling them witches and, and all of that. But in the movie, you do have this real element of like, witches are real, they're here, uh, and they're they're actually not entirely part of their imagination. So he's mixing both. So I think that if it had been entirely about the hysteria around uh, people calling women witches and the witch trials and all of that, without the all the like supernatural aspect to it, it would have been wrong to call it folklore, but because there's all of that layer added that I think it's, it makes sense. Yeah, I think where where it kind of butts up for me, where I have a little trouble with it is that it, um, it definitely like comes to a point where throughout they have been terrified of this otherworldly stuff they're sure that there are witches everywhere and that, um, you know, their, their daughter is being slowly, uh, you know, tempted by, uh, by Satan and that, um, you know, this, everything is, is going sideways. And it turns out they're right, which like, you know, I think I, I'm going to take a leap and say like most of the people that thought this way weren't, <laughs> weren't right. correct in that they were, you know, uh, just burning women for anything that they consider deviant behavior. Um, I do, and it feels a little as, weird to like reconstruct a horror monster from xenophobia. I do want to ask: Did it feel to people like um, Tomlin's um, arc to becoming a witch was gradual? Because it felt to me like she got to the end of the movie and it was like, "Well, my whole family's dead, and I don't got fucking anything better to do. Might as well be a witch." Well, yeah, that's for me. Like, there's there's a lot going on there, um, a lot of moving parts. But I think one of the main break, one of the main ways to break it down, I think, is that like, well, Jesus didn't work out, and I know there's this other option over here because people keep talking about it. So I'm gonna go ask the goat what to do because it's the only one we got left. Um, And I think that the the witch in this movie um is less of a character than the xenophobia so i think i think the important thing is that the witch is not is is not revealed to be any of the kids you know it's not anybody that the like they they think that there's a witch and yes there's a witch um and and yes she is uh tormenting these farm but you know they they also go to her in a lot of ways i mean Um, i definitely thought did you guys get the sense because i definitely got the sense that the twins were in fact had in fact made a deal with this goat 
I had like tied themselves to the, like the devil. I always thought that they were just kids that were like having a game because they're kids. To me, what made me think was like, A, when they like just could not say prayers was a big thing. And then when they're all locked in the goat shed and she's, and she's, and Anna Taylor Joy, she's answering their questions directly and they're dancing around all of her questions. Yeah, I mean, there's, I think that that is, um, and we never find out what happened to the twins. They just yeah. disappear. Mm, I think they're well, dead. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or they just run off or whatever. But I think I think with they the grow, twins, they grow up to be Jeremy Renner and the other actress in, in the Hansel and Gretel movie. Oh, <laughs> oh good. Uh, I mean, uh, if so, I mean, I actually haven't seen that movie. It's surprisingly fun. Okay, I know that it's cool and aesthetic, but um. Yeah, it, it, it's a surprisingly like really fun movie like you think it's going to be another van helsing but it's actually way more fun well that's that's good to know yeah uh that's a relief um but yeah i think that the twins i think we're supposed to be just as on the fence so to speak as the twins or excuse me as as the rest of the characters are about the twins um because there's so much paranoia going on in this family um yeah, and, I feel like it's intentionally unclear as to whether there is actually yeah. something going on with the twins or whether the twins are pulling a full-on Salem deal where they're like, oh no, she's keeping us from saying prayers because she's a witch. Like really just yeah. throwing just throwing Thomason under the under the uh, wagon, I guess. I mean, that was so funny. It was how easy it was for the most baseless of accusations to just have this family completely each other. Yeah, well, and I think that that um, has a lot to say about trauma and abuse and um, also how kids respond to stuff like that. You know, if you, if you teach, if you know, they're obviously teaching these kids that A, they're full of sin, so they're, they should be afraid of themselves. B, you know, there's witches out there and they're real. Um, and, Which uh, they are. Which, well, again, that, that's a good warning. Which is 100% real in this universe. Yeah, um, sure, yes, but, you know, rest, how do they, yeah, no. yeah, but they don't know that there's a witch until a certain point in the film when, like, Caleb sees the witch, you know? Yeah, the baby steals, the baby is, is stolen by the witch, we see that, but you're yeah, bringing us back to this point in the film, this could easily be a dream sequence or something like that, like, this is what they imagine happening to the baby, where it could have been a wolf, it could have been a hawk. It could have been like anything, but because they see the world in these in these kind of symbols of this black and white um, God versus or you know Jesus versus Satan or whatever, everything horrible that happens is because of their sin, right? Yeah. I find that interesting because they do believe to be living in sin, but they're ne- they never own up to any of their mistakes. It's always like beyond their like their self so it's like it's thomason or it's a witch or it's something else so even though they like they do believe they're like sinners they never make mistakes which is so it's just it doesn't make any sense to me and it's it's, so american uh, yeah well it's very like fundamentalist in that in in the way that william is Mm -hmm. i think yeah i I mean this is and this is like where we get that first conversation about original sin that she had that he has with caleb and they're in the woods hunting, which is a thing that 
uh, is a problem because he has sold off his uh, his wife's silver cup, uh, her I guess her father's silver cup, to buy a couple of traps to hunt animals because their crops are rotting and they're going to starve if they don't. Um, but he hasn't told her any of this because he can't admit that he's failing. Um, and so now he's lying and now he's asking Caleb to lie for him. Um, yeah. At the same also, time, having a conversation a about how uh, everybody has everybody is born with innate sin and is damned to hell unless they do everything uh, humanly possible to uh, get that sin out of themselves and to uh, you know turn to Jesus on all things. Um, so it, it's a it's a nice it's a nice uh, level setting scene for just where just where this family's at. Yeah. Well, once Sam. Um... Once Sam disappears, then Kate is just crying. No smiles on her face except the dream sequence, which we'll get never to. Never not crying. Yeah, she's never, she's never not crying. That Affects rabbit it. is totally the devil, right? Um, actually, actually, yes. <laughs> uh, rabbits are like they're witches, and like, uh. um, I think it's not necessarily from like New England, but in Ireland and Scotland, they, people used to believe that witches could transform in like rabbit to travel and everything. That makes sense. Cause we see that rabbit, it seems like the rabbit makes the gun misfire. The rabbit kills the dog. Like we mm-hmm. keep seeing that rabbit at various ominous points to the yeah, point that, where it's like, there's no possible way that's a normal rabbit. And that's, that rabbit either that's, is the witch or is the witch's familiar, one of the two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and, and there's also folk tales about rabbits, like the witches becoming rabbits and then suckling the cows and making the cows bleed well, or, you know, we, making the, the dairy animals bleed. So we and we, absolutely get that imagery in this movie for sure. Yeah, so that's, you know, that's a big thing. Um, and uh, the also, I, I'm pretty sure that the rabbit in the film is some kind of uh, jackrabbit. I don't think it's a like a European rabbit. So they that's... found such a creepy looking rabbit. Yeah, how it has big eyeballs. Go, how many rabbits did they go through to find the creepiest looking that rabbit? That rabbit is easily the best animal actor in this movie. Like, <laughs> well, I think they just put it somewhere and then shot a, and mean, just like put the camera and then I, rabbit just stood there. To animal actors, I'm still a fan of the close-up dog for don't breathe who is just incapable of being scary and it's just a big old slobber boy um i i'm not gonna i'm gonna blame the the direction for that one because that that dog probably was well trained enough to be a good animal actor but um you know um it's also uh, so so while while they're off hunting in the uh, woods thomason is is teaching a freshman level class on symbolism and bad omens she <laughs> she picks up an egg and drops it to reveal a bloody dead chick inside. Um, and she will just continue to have just, just great luck with omens. Uh, you know, she's also later going to uh, have milk or have blood come out of the udder of a goat um, and a lot of other uh, just just like very high level uh, bad omens on this yeah. going on around her. And if you've ever been like in on around farms like this shit happens on farms like sometimes the eggs are fertilized like it's not a big deal but you know when it's when you're out and you're in the middle of nowhere and you're desperate and your dad is crazy and all he can do is chop wood that of course is not going to be great you know crops are rotting you don't get eggs um is this the 2006 remake because it's a bad omen 
<laughs> um, I made a pun. That was not good. A good. Not a good one. But no, a it's good. Ah, thank you. Good. It's fine. Don't, en- don't um, encourage me with when it comes to wordplay. It's it's too late. The the twins um, are getting in on this uh, on this scary omen action as well because they're singing a delightful song about the goat uh, Black Philip and how he's a cruel king and um, they just they have a lot of real creepy lyrics in here. They're they're giving yeah, like the- Nightmare on Elm Street run for their money and uh, creepy kid songs. Says yeah, crown sp- spread out his head and um jumps the fence and oh gosh there's a this transcription of lyrics somewhere it is they are some very devilly lyrics yeah um which which really which is the one thing that really tweaks me about kath well one of the things that really tweaks me about Catherine is she is so dead set on looking for any sort of sign of uh witchcraft around thomason but these kids are literally running around singing songs about the devil and she's like yeah whatever yeah i I mean I do love when she accuses them. It's like, hey, they're the ones fucking talking to the creepy looking goat. And Williams is looking at his face of like, I probably should have considered that before now, shouldn't I? Yeah, but they're also just kids playing games. Like, they're. Ki- I mean, when you're when you're growing or growing up and hearing all these stories about how every fucking bad thing that can happen on the farm is a witch, then of course they're going to be like, oh yeah, so the, the the goat's a witch. I'm a witch. The barn's a witch that tree's a witch you know um and uh and like how crazy that could just get out of hand um there is a bit here with caleb and william when they're trying to to hunt the rabbit um where caleb is having this huge crisis of faith um as any child would in this particular situation because especially because sam was not baptized um william decided not to baptize sam because he didn't agree with the church so they were gonna figure something out i guess and so now caleb is following that logic of like well if sam isn't baptized and he's in hell but he has he's a baby and he hasn't done shit how could he be so sinful that he goes to hell and then if he's in hell that must mean that i'm probably going to hell because i've had plenty of chances to sin as we will find out and we're not talking about doing things. We're talking about thinking things. And that's one of the like the, the main cruxes, so to speak, of this film, of the, the horror of this film is that these people are afraid of their own thoughts and their own thoughts just take them, they just drive them nuts because Maybe. they're told that everything that they think is dooming them. Maybe this is revealing way more about me than it should, but I really related to that. <laughs> I mean, any, I, anybody with any sort of like self-criticism, whether it be related to to religion or not, you know, anybody who has any sort of in, like uncomfortability with themselves. All the stuff with Caleb's crisis of faith and the beliefs of, of the Puritans here is like very on point like by strict puritan doctrine that tiny baby's in hell um Mm -hmm. and this is again all the props to harvey scrimshaw this is such a difficult role and i feel like nine out of ten child actors would have completely flubbed it like this required so much dedication and talent and holy shit if he doesn't like bring his a game yeah, just like, the language so itself good. would have been enough mm-hmm. to to really confound most kids but on top of that the 
I mean, the physical acting and the like the the feeling you get that he understands this at least enough to like be be confused by the logical things that any kid would be confused in learning about this. Yeah, um, like I'm jumping ahead, but his death scene, like my like my jaw was dropped the entire scene. Oh my god, yes. Yeah. I remember when I first saw this movie and I was just floored. Because he not only, yeah, he not only is he is he speaking the language beautifully, but his acting is so incredible. Um and uh yeah, and in also we have these scenes now the these can easily also get very, very uncomfortable, but the scenes where Caleb is is fearing himself because he is sort of seeing bits of you know ankle on his sister or whatever to this now seems almost comically chaste but considering the context of him being like okay well if i don't pray all the time forever i'm going to hell and you know and if if this is life for these people what what is hell like to them like what are they imagining that is worse than france hell is just france to them i imagine I mean, they are from England, but, you know, in France, you got good, you got good food. But I'm saying like, oh, yeah, you do. Yeah. And in France, they're like, oh, this food is rotten. We're going to make a delectable cheese out of it. (laughs) These people very clearly Um, do not value good food. Yeah. Um, So, you know, I mean, this family put together a two story house and half a barn by their own goddamn selves and a goat house and you know the the crops being what they are to me the most heartbreaking scene is william describing like what he wanted to do what it was what the farm was supposed to be if things had gone right to me that just that that absolute haunted being haunted by what could have been and should have been yeah to me just made me like i don't know like what do you guys Think of William because he's so prideful and stubborn and misguided, but I feel like he's someone trying his best and he has no idea how to do, how to be a farmer, how to be a father. Like he's someone trying his best, but is completely unequipped for in every aspect of his life. In his case, he is one of those people that is, as you said, Sweeney, like this Calvinist person who came from this idea that, you know, this is how the world is supposed to be. And now he's thrown into this completely alien place that be, I mean, they, that's the thing is that it's so close. Like, you know, new England. Yeah. They have trees and rocks and sand and soil and stuff like that. And they're like, okay, I guess we'll, we'll try to, to develop a community here. They're by themselves, like an individual by themselves is destined to be, well, they're just destined to starve if they don't um if they aren't flexible about what they do to survive william is so rigid what i think is interesting about him and why i actually enjoy his character is that he's not the one going to blame thomason right away and for everything he's actually very forgiving with her and protective with everything that is happening because i think being away from the community he's realizing that he has so little power and he's supposed to be the man of the house it's everyone and like you said being provide food and all that and he's failing at that and so i think he's realizing that there are things that he just cannot control and he is more 
yeah, like I said, forgiving with Thomas and like, because the mom, for example, is just, she sees red and she just blames Thomas. So I thought that was like interesting because, you know, when we talk about the Salem witch trial and all of that, it's often men like coming after women. So mm-hmm. having this like portrayal of like the, the patriarchal figure, not necessarily his daughter right away, or I mean, he does eventually, but mm-hmm. was interesting. I'm skipping to the end, but what do you make, like, in terms of his character, what do you make of Nguyen when he picks up the axe and then he puts it down and just kind of lets his death happen? I mean, it's just the, I think he understands it as what he deserves. Mm-hmm. If, I mean, if we're talking about Calvinism, then we're talking about determinism, which yeah. would mean that, like, he... Which would mean that people's fates more or less are decided ahead of time. You know, that uh, he's either one that has been selected to be saved or one that is selected to be damned. And I think he is, throughout the movie, fighting for all he's worth to prove that he's he's good enough to have been saved. That he's good enough to be saved, that he has something to offer. And when that fails, he prays that at least his children are Mm-hmm. you know we we get like an amazing scene with him out in the rain um incredible you know, scene chopping wood yeah. praying for praying for like admitting to his own faults for the really the first time in the movie and you know just praying that his his children will be spared uh which they are not and you know he he is just fighting with his own belief which states if this stuff is happening to him it's because it was supposed to happen to him and he was never he was never good. Um, yeah. And it's it's a rough idea. And, you know, he is, I think the difference between him and Catherine uh, in this movie essentially is that he is dealing directly with the reality of the situation. That, like, their crops are rotting, you know, on the stock. That they are not going to have enough food to get through the winter. That they're going to have to do something. First, you know, they're, they're going to have to sell off some of their things. And then, you know, they're going to have to they're going to have to do something not necessarily uh, moral or keeping in line with his plans just to survive. Whereas, you know, Catherine until, you know, probably too late into the story is, is too busy wondering why everybody is not acting like things are great (laughs) is, is, you know, polishing the silver while the whole thing falls apart. Yeah. Well, I think that also with, um, with William, as he's trying, he's trying to keep up the facade and, you know, it's in a classic example of a white lie becoming, you know, snowballing into some very, very toxic situations. William will reason his way into anything being okay, because there is one point where Catherine is still obviously upset about Sam and William is like, look, we've been really lucky We've had five kids and we haven't lost one of them. So I guess like, I we love, were due. Like, I love that line. It's, I love that scene where it's just like, look, we're in the 1630s. Four out of five, them, thems are good numbers. We're beating the spread. Considering that they also made it across the ocean. Yeah, he, here. he literally says, God has never seen fit to take one of our children. Uh, so, you know. I guess one out of knowing, one out of five. It's all right. I do wonder now, knowing just how difficult an actor Charlie the Goat was, <laughs> how long did it take them to get that goat to hop around on its hind legs, being all "Come at me, bro." Editing is masterful. Either that yeah. is, that's the only thing you get him to do. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, the thing back to William, just real quick, I have to say that while, you know, we do see he's very like also Ralph Innocent is a very, very expressive and he's well, he's uh, he has a lot of pathos just in his, his face. Eyes, like, like his eyes just oh, so much emotion in his eyes. Yeah. And I mean, he's also his brows are like always furrowed. So he's always like thinking and struggling and that's sort of his default state. But the uh, the character of William is pragmatic while he has all of this pride of of his sense of faith and his own righteousness he also has a very he's he is pragmatic but he's you see that conflicting with his righteousness so much and it just comes apart so easily much like a pile of the wood he chopped which was the most they ever if they could eat chopped wood man the family would be set yeah he, he will do anything morally great to prove that he's been right all along yeah and that's that's also a really good example of how that kind of pragmatism can be a very very deadly combination with the kind of self righteousness that he has. So, um, yeah, so I, I think where we left off on the plot was the <laughs> the scene where uh, Thomason is getting water and Caleb is there and Caleb is staring at her boobs. Which, as much as I feel like I've come out against romantic brother sister relationships in the last few weeks on this thing. This is a good example of a problem that comes from isolating your family like this is, you know, yeah. your kid lost your your kid is interested in girls and the only girl that's there to look at is his sister. So it's automatically a double sin. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah. I guess that subplot helps us explain why he just immediately walks towards like creepy hovel just because like, ooh, a lady that isn't my sister. I mean, she's taught. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And she got that sweet red cloak. I just wanted that apple. Yeah. It's probably the most color. That that was terrible. And I apologize for that sentence. (laughs) So, yeah, this is quickly followed by Mercy being a little shit and uh, talking about how she's the witch of the woods. Uh, I love love this so much. (laughs) Clickety clackety. Clickety clackety. (laughs) I be the witch of the woods. Thomasine is like, you want to see a witch? Uh, let me tell you about all the shit I've done and makes up what we assume, what I assume is a, 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 you know, we have no reason to believe is anything but a, you know, falsehood, a story she's making up to scare Mercy and get her to just fucking leave her alone. <laughs> yeah. It's the worst. I mean, siblings. Yeah, she continues to uh, chase her and then slap her until Caleb tells them to stop so they can all go have a very sad dinner. That was a sad this movie is very effective at showing like at candlelighting. Yeah. And I love how everything that William says when he's like things instead of, I'm pretty sure he means things will turn out. Okay. Finish. Except for Sam. Things have already ended. Not at all. Okay for Sam. Yeah. But they have like four other kids. Yeah. Yeah. Two boys, two girls, pretty good spread. Again, you know? by 1630 standards, you're killing it. You're doing yeah. great. They've been lucky. But um, I will say that when he says the, the things he says, when I'm pretty sure he's trying to say things will be cool, like finish soon these days of sin or, you know, you will feel happiness in heaven. Just sounds like a threat. All sounds <laughs> like a threat because I'm like, yeah, but to you guys, finishing these days of sin means like you go out your body like they call it the rapture for a reason i I thought it was clever writing that so yeah so thomason is being blamed for the loss of everything for sam for the cup cup. 
and the um, and both Caleb and the dad know what the deal is with the cup, and neither of them uh, you know, speak up for Thomason. Um, huh. Yeah, and, uh, and then they they start discussing at night, like sending Thomason to work for other families, um, because the mom seems to just want to be rid of her, and they don't have enough, you know, uh, money or food to feed everybody. So they'll just you know send her off to be go be a servant for some some good women in town. She's also begot the sign of womanhood, which, you know. Yeah, can't have that. Which I'd hope so. She's at least 20 in this movie. Oh, I think Thomason, the character is supposed to be younger, but um, because I think yeah. it's very important to note that she is supposed to be a, a teen mm-hmm. or a tween even because, you know. Yeah, the- it seems like the movie wants us to think that she's like 15, whereas Anne you know, joy is very much 19 or 20 in this movie, like when she's doing this. <laughs> In those days, life was very hard for a 15-year-old. Yeah, and all the kids are awake and hear everything, by the way, because yeah. this is oh, a yeah. tiny-ass little house. And the, the fact that they have an attic in this house that they built themselves, I got to fucking tip my Witchfinder General hat to them. Well, you got to get kicked out of your commune in the spring, you know? You have time yeah. to build the house and everything before you got to deal with the winter. Um, I wonder if, if in his pragmatism, William thought about that. He's like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to cause the most shit in February and then I'm going to piss everybody off and then I can leave when everything's nice. What do you guys think William did that ultimately got them kicked out? I don't know if he did it. I think he was just the most stubborn argumentative person like alive and everyone's just like, we're sick of your shit. We can't have one goddamn pleasant conversation with you. We're all sinners and die. Like we're all sinners. Well, I think he's, he's probably yeah and well and i think he's he also they said that he did not live by the laws of this plantation which in this case means the village you're not talking about a, like a, a plantation like in the south i think he probably just wouldn't listen to people and he, maybe i don't know if he was a thief but he may have lied about shit because we know he is good at that well maybe not good at it i think you're just like your goat's practice. real fucking creepy get out <laughs> <laughs> this guy's the creepiest goat he needs to leave I mean, goats are creepy to begin with, right? And this this goat is has a plus two to creepiness at least. So yeah, we they wake up that next morning and Caleb uh, decides that he's gonna go check all these traps that her that his father has lied about uh, setting, uh, so that uh, maybe he can keep Thomason from having to be sent away. Thomason catches him and gets him to take her along with the horse and the dog and the gun. They promptly meet up with the evil rabbit who Caleb tries to shoot. In the process, the rabbit uh, spooks the horse who throws Thomason off and she gets knocked unconscious. The horse runs away. The dog runs away. Caleb goes running after the dog um, just to find the dog shortly thereafter murdered. And Did uh, not like that. Yeah, this, this... We see dog. Like, we don't just see a dead dog. We see dog. We see the dog inside out. Yeah. This is yeah, that rabbit really yeah. fucked him up. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and during the scene, like before all this shit goes fucking pear shape, the, um, the conversation between Thomason and Caleb is about, uh, good old days back in England where they had glass windows and all this kind of stuff. So there's this sort of bittersweet element here, um, as they're reminiscing and Caleb doesn't remember any of this. And, and it's really weird to see like. Thomaston reflecting on something good that happened, like the life was at one point good for these people. 
Yeah, and Caleb doesn't remember that. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't blame him. I love he's like, look, I remember there being a dog on the table, but I don't remember no fucking glass. Yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. it's interesting that, like, thematically, this is important. But also, like, every conversation I have with my five-year-old, I'm like, you remember your last birthday when we got you this thing you wanted and that thing you wanted? I baked a whole, like, double-layer cake and you were so excited. Now, you don't remember any of that, huh? It was a year ago. I feel you don't like remember anything don't- before last week, huh? <laughs> I feel like when it when I think about stories I've seen in colonial times, I feel like it's usually like a little, you know, it's either early 18th century or later in the 1600s. And it's usually people like already born in the colonies. I can't think of too many other times where I've seen a story about like, unless it's the literal tale of the Mayflower Thanksgiving about people that didn't make that immigration that were born in England and made that active immigration to the colonies. Yeah. And usually these stories are very like, I mean, it's romanticized. Um, Fifle, Fifle goes West. Well, that's a little bit later, but yeah. look, <laughs> although Fifle encountering the witch, <laughs> I will never miss an opportunity to plug my beloved Jewish mouse. That's look, Fifle is valid. And the, what was the fucking crazy Papa, ass mouse? Papa. Oh, makes me cry to this day. What was the thing that they made to scare the cats? There was like the, the fucked up mouse, like the giant mouse. Oh, I don't know. That's what, that's why I got to revisit this movie. It's okay. Been well, too long since I saw an American tale. That's how you beat the witch is you get the giant ass mouse. I mean, the witch, the witch is not only not defeated. They don't even know. They know nothing. They don't even begin to do anything to work against the witch. You got no battle like, plan. Yeah, well, the, that's the thing is that they don't know who the witch is or if there is a witch. And I think but, that's one of, honestly, one yeah. of the more strong aspects of the film. Oh, with that, again, the fact that the witch isn't an, like an active antagonist, it lets the focus on the family and the religious extremism and the isolation just shine I so think- bright. I think this is the closest the witch gets to being an active antagonist because, uh, you know, if, if the witch is the rabbit or the witch is controlling the rabbit, which presumably she is, uh, you know, she lures Caleb back to her spooky hut so that she can, uh, you know, where so she can uh, creep up on him and decide to kiss him way too aggressively uh, with her, her shriveled, did, gnarled hand. I did feel for that actress just being like god damn like i bet you didn't sign up for this movie thinking you would have to kiss a 12 year old on the lips yeah that was ooh, that yeah, i mean that gave, that gave me the like that gave me the, like the yeah i mean the the viol or the or the violins the violins and the violence was that all of that was uh um enough to convince me that i was this was not a good time but that was uh icing on the cake there um it's like going around kissing teenagers in horror movies. Um, I do wish that she put a hand, a discreet hand up, but instead she put a horrible gnarled hand up behind his head, not in front of the, you know, mouth to mouth contact. Um, but uh, yeah. And it's, it's also interesting because we see the witch in the very beginning, we see the, the witch that stole that as far as we know, stole Sam. Um, and again, you know, we don't have anybody up to this point, and for the most part, beyond this point, seeing the witch um, with anybody else there. And certainly no adults behold the witch. It's just the kids. Um, and here, Caleb is confronted with his fear, which is uh, his sexuality. 
and you know his puberty essentially um and uh i mean it's effectively terrifying yeah and they they make it more unsettling by changing the film speed in these scenes um they have a higher film speed anytime something supernatural is going on um so both the scenes with the witch and and the uh, a lot of the stuff at the end like they they are doing a completely different film speed so things look weird um in in just like very basic unsettling ways that you don't even notice you just know that you're like creeped out by it um yeah so like we have this brief scene with him and then you know thomason wakes up searching in the woods and uh you know find or finds her dad searching in the woods and they they return home um William finally comes clean with Catherine about the cup because Catherine is trying to blame <laughs> blame Thomason for Caleb's disappearance Everything. as well. Um, he yeah. comes clean like two days later. Yeah, and uh, Thomason. Uh, yeah, Thomason goes out to go uh, bed the goats down um, and finds finds Caleb wandering naked to the house at that point. Yeah, well, it's it's interesting because Thomason has been. Um, berated by her mom a couple times and asking for a favor in her eyes and stuff like that and then there's a bit where the uh kate hits william um and then faints which is i mean everything is is crazy going on there um and uh and then thomason is also trying to gain like offers to bed down the goats to gain favor but i'm pretty sure it's just to get out of this awkward ass situation because she's out there with the with uh flora the goat and she's like humming to the goat and spending she's a lot of to, to just like forget what's happening and be like in her own little world for a second because yeah absolutely um and then uh and she finds caleb who is naked um delirious feverish um hanging kind of sprawled on the fence you know and we are to assume that he sort of found his way back um and you know this is actually this this scene is not super explicit so because a lot of other things in this film like the dog death which is, is horrifyingly explicit but you know and then there was the kiss but the scene is not explicit um it's still upsetting but um but we do see caleb and they take him in and he has bite marks around his mouth which is also rather upsetting. Yeah, there is like there are cuts over him. Well, there's one point where Kate like makes cuts his forehead and they put the blood in the bowl and Yeah, bloodletting. Very well, they're bloodletting, yeah. They're they're okay, is that treating him for free fever, yeah. This is what I get for not knowing my 17th century medical <laughs> science. There's not much to know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You you let the blood yeah. out. It's not science. That's the problem. No. <laughs> yeah well here's the thing now this is what came to mind i shouldn't say it like that this is something i thought about uh just then when i was thinking like these puritan young puritan men going through puberty and they also believe in bloodletting and the idea with bloodletting is that when shit is wrong you have to it's because you have too much blood right jeremy knows where i'm going so if you have too much blood somewhere, you got to let it. You, you just got too much. The medical condition known as too much blood. You, you're yeah. bursting with it. You're, you're a gusher. Yeah. And that's the thing is that like how many of these Puritans mm. let blood when they realize, especially as they were afraid of their own sin, let blood in the morning 
or just, uh, you know, I'm talking about penises. It's very true. It is true. She is talking about penises. (laughs) (laughs) I am not as... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. uh, Boy. Um, So while Thomason is uh, sick (laughs) sick and babbling, uh, or sorry, well, Caleb is sick and babbling. Uh, Thomason uh, goes out to continue her class on uh, Omens 101 um, and tries to get uh, milk from the goat and gets blood instead. And uh, the twins are very understanding about this, very helpful. Um, they do definitely tell the parents shortly thereafter that uh, she turned them the milk to blood um, and that, that she is a witch um, because in the and the following scene, they're trying to... So William decides that he's going to pack up the bunch, uh, get a bunch of sellable stuff, and take Caleb to the doctor in town, um, even though he doesn't have a horse anymore because the horse ran away. Um, and he, he, he plans to go tomorrow and take uh, take Caleb there, which, you know, it's, it's one of those horror movie things. Anytime somebody's like, we're leaving tomorrow, it's like, well, I guess this is the night shit mm-hmm. goes down. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. A, that's a red flag. Anyone says like, we'll leave in the morning. It's like, you're not fucking making it to morning. <laughs> it's very, I'll be right back. Um, <laughs> we'll be back by candle time tomorrow. This is, look, if if Scream had been set in the 1650s, they would have been talking about this. Yeah. I mean, this yes. Would have been, this would have been the trope in Jamie Kennedy's 17th century period piece. Which, can you fucking imagine Jamie Kennedy in anything said in the 1600s? No, and I don't want to. Unless he's, like, uh, a, a witch. Could Jamie- you imagine if you tried to do the Jamie Kennedy experiment? They would just burn him. Like, yeah. Scarlet Letter starring Jamie Kennedy as Hester Prim. <laughs> it's, it's just a J. Um, okay. So this scene has a lot going on in it that I want to just talk about real quick. Um Catherine is like, oh my God, everything's fucked. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Think, 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 think. And William's like, I have no thoughts. That's for damn sure. I love that. Um, The 17th century, like head empty, only Jesus. Yeah. (laughs) And then Catherine tells this crazy confession about a wet dream that she had about Jesus. Look, we have, look, have we, we've all been there, right? No, sure. just me. Okay, strike this from the record. I mean, I am a Jewish American. I have a very complicated relationship with Jesus Christ. I, I believe it. I believe, yeah, it's, you know, it's complicated on your a, Facebook. He is an omnipresent cultural figure that I do not believe in. And that is a fucked relationship. I mean, I don't know if it would be more or less complex if you also had wet dreams about Jesus. No, those dreams are pretty simple. Okay, yeah, because I mean, like, simple and clean is the way is the way Jesus, tonight. It's the way Jesus is making me feel tonight, and it's hard to let it go. Um, it's not a fucking non-binary icon. Sora died for your sins. Okay, Sora. No, Goofy. I played Kingdom Hearts too. Goofy died for my sins because a big rock fell on him, and then he oh. got better one boss fight later. Exactly, it's the resurrection, the holy resurrection of Goofy. Also, Donald dies in Kingdom Hearts 3 from casting nuke spell, but then time travel is involved, because why wouldn't the Kingdom Hearts franchise throw fucking time travel into the mix? Again, holy resurrection. But, anyway. 
Catherine tells a story about her wet dream about Jesus. And she's like, and basically it details that she was so into Jesus. That's why she could fuck. And she's so upset about Sam and Caleb because she can't fuck no more because she has this crisis of faith, which is very, very upsettingly intermingled with her uh, sexuality. Um, And that's not entirely like that's a, that is the case for a lot of people. Like there's a lot of people out there that have been raised in a, in a situation where, yeah, like, Oh, I got a different. And again, my reading might be totally wrong. I thought she was kind of like attacking William or like accusing him of like inadequacy compared to dream Jesus. I mean that that too. Jesus has given me more than like a real husband ever could. AKA you. Yeah, and I but I think that that's that was sort of the, uh, the part of it. Again, I know. Again, <laughs> I think that this is a big, complicated movie that you could write a lot of college essays about. Oh my god, it's a really good movie. So I want to know how you journey. feel about the that that issue. I I had the same thought as you actually. Okay. Yeah, I yeah. I mean, and I I assume that within all of that, Williams incompetence as a doing most of the things that he needs to do on the homestead probably had a factor in it oh yeah for sure it's like <laughs> sinking it's yeah um but yeah and then now uh yeah so <laughs> Catherine's like i was never i'm never gonna feel this way again and then he's like you will in heaven and then caleb <laughs> spits a whole fucking apple out and, yeah. and that was to me it was like hey you'll be you'll be able to fuck once you're dead was another like william you, i get that you have good intentions but you are making this so much worse <laughs> yeah um if it was a slasher william would have told her to get over her dead children so they can fuck william is such a chip he is ye old chip ye old ye old chip and son yeah the old ye oldie chippy um <laughs> yeah, chip spelled c h y p e Yes, the chipe. <laughs> um, so this now we have the scene where Caleb is uh, struggling with death and faith and the the presence of the witch. Um, yeah, he spits up a whole apple, and then they are start they are trying to pray for him as he uh, froths and and uh, moves around agitatedly and. Uh, the children claim the twins claim that they can't pray because Thomas witched them and that's keeping them from praying which is definitely a thing that was used in actual like Salem witch trials um, mm-hmm. as evidence of somebody being a witch um, and you know they, they claim not to be able to say the Lord's Prayer um, and uh, oh man uh, they're 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 horrible in this scene. Um, and Caleb, as we mentioned, is fantastic in this scene as he he comes to and manages to like join them in the end of a prayer before falling back, before seemingly having a very similar experience with Jesus to what his mother had and then falling back on the, the pillow dead. Um, yeah, he has some this sort of literal rapture yeah, um, in the throes of death. Yeah. yeah. Um, and this performance he he starts the performance with uh get the broad axe and i'll cut off her head and i'm like get the broad oscar 
<laughs> and give it to this kid because holy shit. And mm-hmm. he, and I haven't really, I just checked his IMDb. I'm not sure if he's still currently acting. It doesn't look like he has a lot of credits, but yeah, this is a fucking Oscar worthy performance. Yeah. Yeah. He, he may just be in school right now for, for all that matters. Um, I'm going to be why he doesn't have a bunch of credits. Um, but yeah, he's, he kills it. Yeah, no, like I, I want that actor doing whatever brings him the most happiness and fulfillment in his young life, whether that be acting or something else. Harvey Grimshaw, follow your dreams, you goddamn champion. Yeah, recover from the trauma of being in this film. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. He's probably really traumatized. <laughs> I had to see a Game of Thrones actor get injured by a goat so many times. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, at I which mean, point said Game of Thrones actor William drags Thomason out into the yard, uh, tries to get her to confess to being a witch, and she just fucking reads him for filth in this section. She's just like, he's like, confess that you're a witch, and she's like, actually, you're a fucking asshole. You don't know what you're doing. You can't raise a crop. You can't catch any, like, you can't manage to hunt anything. You've got us out here starving, and you're trying to accuse me of being a witch because it just you're trying to make up for all your own incompetence because all you can fucking do is chop wood. Yes, it's such an incredible roast. <laughs> and then she she then like pins it on the twins because she's like, you know, they talked to the goat and they told me that the goat told them all this shit. Uh, if I, well, you know, it, telling him telling him what's really wrong with him is not going to get, save her. Um, yeah, so she pins it on the twins instead. Who? I mean, by all rights, are fucking terrible. Um, and he, like he, William goes in and is like, all right, well, let's see if they're fucking faking. I'm going to beat this kid's brains out. And the point she, he picks Jonas up. Jonas just starts screaming, um, and yeah, as, does, yeah, as does his sister. Uh, yeah, William says, I will smite thee like Abraham is seed. <laughs> this fool. Um, and this, like, there's this, this, this chaotic scene where they're all screaming and the mom is freaking out and she's like dressing the body of Caleb and um, William has picked up from his scruff, essentially picked up Jonas and everyone's screaming and <laughs> Thomason is like, do you see now? Um, and that's a, that's a line. That's a loaded comment. Um, and uh, Thomason has now indicated that uh, Black Philip is indeed the devil. You know, he comes in the form of a he goat. Uh, and they're also d- trying to figure out whether Caleb actually went to heaven because he was, you know, speaking scripture and he was he was uh, speaking of Jesus. And then the mom says, well, the devil can speak scripture as well. It's got a mouth, Reed. You know, they keep saying there's no way to know. And then they keep arguing about whether they can know or not. That's really familiar. Where have I heard that before? <laughs> I can't put my finger on it. Maybe I'm just, it's maybe it's just choice paralysis. I can't put my finger on one particular thing that's going on in the world. This Surely film is we're relevant. not dealing with the same problems around religious fundamentalism, you know, Again, hundreds of years later, right? This movie is, yes. To skip to the would you recommend it? Emphatically, yes. Yes, absolutely, yes. See how you do then maybe put on subtitles if you're struggling. But even then, like, amazing movie. I, Again, I will so- say- Sweeney, thank you so much for picking yeah. this. Oh, I've, I've, so never, I've never seen this movie before until like today. 
Like I watched it this morning and it was just so good. So thank you for introducing me to this fantastic film. If you haven't seen The Lighthouse, jump on that too. I just watched it like last Saturday and it's as amazing. I haven't and I really need to. Yeah, it's definitely on my list. Um, Indeed. And yeah, this, I this, I'd seen The Witch once before. I watched it actually last uh, last October during my Scary Movie Month watch, which I think is actually doing it a disservice because it is not a typical horror movie and that it, it is very slow. Um, and mm-hmm. it does not have any sort of jumps or, or thrills, I think is one would well, There's a couple film. jumps but like, there. There's a lot of dread. Yeah, a lot of a lot of dread. Um, but like it is it is a really good movie. And watching it this time, I think knowing what I was in for, um, I, I liked it a lot better than I did the first time. Um, we're, we're almost I'd, to the end here. Um, so let's, well, let's I was going to say, our... I'd seen it a bunch. But I, this is the first time I saw it with subtitles and I actually got a little bit more out of it. So, yay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so William decides the best thing to do if his children may be talking to the devil is to put them all in a barn with the evil goat uh, and just hammer, just nail boards over the, the entrance so they can't get out. Uh, he's just going to sleep on it and you know take, I, I don't know what his plan is at this point because he can't take Caleb in because Caleb's dad. Um, he Chop goes wood. to bury Caleb and Catherine throws herself into the grave to hold her son. Um, that was such like, that was such powerful imagery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like she's, she is, uh, well, we haven't, we, oh, we have just kidding. Um, the, this, that, that particular shot where she's almost begging him to bury her with Caleb is so heart wrenching. Um, because we we start the scene from that uh, wide angle, and then we we see her crawl into the grave, and then we see Will's point of view as he looks down, and the uh, the reproach and also the supplication of Catherine as she holds this body um, and looks back up at him. I I think it's just because I look at everything with like what can be how can i ruin this dramatic moment with a stupid joke but part of me was being like man i hope william just starts like shoveling dirt on top of her right now that would be a lot more decisive than anything else he's done so far yeah again that would imply a strength of will that nothing in this movie leads us to believe that william has and i say that as someone with also has a very weak strength of will Ironic, isn't it? His, His name, name is Will. No, I just Will. suck. Oh, right, because Will. Yeah. <laughs> no, oh my God. Yeah, because yeah, his name is Will. Uh, strength <laughs> of Will. See? Penises. Yeah. Uh, and it, from this point, it's, it's basically, this is, I think, the point where the movie pretty much goes uh, all killer, no filler. Because um, uh, he decides to go outside and cut some wood again for the umpteenth time and has a, a very... Uh, a very saliva and uh, bodily fluid heavy conversation with God um, about how fuck, how much he's fucked up and how much he'd like God to at least save his children. It's um, a perfect way of describing that delivery. <laughs> without yeah. a doubt, one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Uh, again, Ralph Nathan just stunning acting performance. I really want to know how many takes he had to do with dirt in his mouth. Yeah, I mean, I, I it's it's pretty amazing and it's like it's one thing to be able to cry on command but i don't know who can like 
snot on command the way he is during this this whole scene where he's just got stuff just pouring out of every orifice on his face. He's just I want to know his reaction when he's reading the script. And he's like, and then my character does what? <laughs> I'm not gonna have to actually. Okay, all right, I guess. Can we get good tasting Hollywood dirt? We can't. All right, fucking commitment to the. That's commitment to the craft right there. Again, I'm pretty sure he eats dirt every morning. Like, I'm pretty sure that dude has dirt in his coffee. You know what? His reaction was probably like, I'll eat as much dirt as you want. Just keep that fucking goat away from me. (laughs) (laughs) And then they ate the goat. Um, So, and then, then Catherine wakes up in the middle of the night to find the silver cup has been returned. And so have Sam and Caleb. Um, Caleb has a cool book that he wants her to look at. Um, Battlefield Earth. (laughs) First first she wants to feed oh, Sam no, with she... her breast um, oh no she's gonna become a Scientologist that's an even the, worse ending it's the horrible twist this movie had uh, Scientology it wasn't witchcraft um, it was the Thetans all along let dad sleep she, she wants honestly to... I feel like we're right for a Scientology horror movie. Whether we get into actual Scientology mythology or it's just cult-based horror, isn't that what the thing we're with right Tom for Hanks it. and uh, Hermione is the Circle or whatever it's called? No, oh, it's just yeah. about social media. I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's it's like mazes which, and okay. monsters. I've got to say, I spent three years living and working in Silicon Valley. The cult-like attributes that every fucking startup, if they don't succeed at creating, at least tries really hard to create, was so goddamn disturbing for me. Like, I felt so, like, it's such a nice place, and yet, like a like a Pleasantville-style horror movie, I felt completely on edge the entire three years I lived there. I believe it. I've never lived, but I have been, and... I mean... You have people talking about how terrible the California drought is while sprinklers are fucking going around in our lusciously manicured parks. And it's just like, what the fuck is happening? I feel like a bad guy in that Matt Damon movie, Elysium. I I have so many, I have have a lot of thoughts. (laughs) It's a um, fucked place to live, which is kind of why I don't like the Silicon Valley show. Because I was living there when it came out and I wanted like a really brutal takedown of a really fucked up culture. And instead it's like, we're going to discuss how there aren't like enough high level job positions for women by having no women characters. Like not what I want, Silicon Valley. Not even a little bit. It has really awful people in it. So you don't miss anything. Oh my God. Fucking great. TJ Miller. What a... Uh. (laughs) well i mean at least it was true to silicon valley in that way so a little fun fact that i am gonna request we cut out uh, okay start uh apparently tj miller picked up like uh stopped by my local comic book shop according to my local owner uh picked up heavenly blues and was apparently interested in the rights and all of that was about two weeks before he got arrested for the bomb threat uh that's a one hell of a fucking bullet dodged. Yeah, I was gonna really? I was gonna say a dodged bullet. I wasn't sure if that was an apropos. Yes. No, it is. That is okay. the, the yeah. Again, I, I do request that we cut this, but for the four of us, I thought that would be a little fun little side story. That is a fun side story. Thank you. 
Um, so yeah, Caleb um, has his project book, mother, whispering spookily. God, this actor's so good. Um, and uh, <laughs> Kate starts feeding Sam, and apparently Sam is actually a raven. And all I will say about that scene is we do get a wide shot of that, of uh, of Kate, hopefully not her real body. I'm pretty sure it's not her real body. Um, and the subtitles say peck, peck, peck. And I think that's all we really need to, to know about that image. Yeah. Um, I mean, we see her the next morning and like just one, like one of her breasts is like being bleeding through her nightgown. And it's just, it's one of those great examples of like indirect horror where it just gives us like the aftermath or the evidence to know just like that it feels so much more disturbing than if we had been seeing the pecking drawing blood. Well, we saw the pecking. Um, we see the pecking, but like the bleeding, the fact yeah, that we see the- like that afterwards, it's like that she doesn't even notice it is like yeah, disturbing on a, di- on a whole other level. Yeah, and it's you know it's not just a dream. There's there's some reality to it, um, to at least her, whatever's going on with her. Um, and while the raven is milking her, the witch is milking Flora, in the the goat house with the twins and Thomason. And this is probably the most wholesome I've ever seen the witch because she's just hanging. She's just a naked old lady like milking the goat, and then. <laughs> twins are like what the fuck and they go up to her and she just turns around and cackles like any good old naked lady milking a goat so yeah yeah it's i mean (laughs) old people are scary because how the hell did she survive this long out there obviously she made a pact with the devil yeah 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 she smeared herself in baby blood that's what you do yeah old people are scary because they remind me of my mortality I don't, I don't know. I have a bunch of thoughts about the fact that they keep showing uh, all women's bodies and like it's supposed to be unsettling and you're supposed to be scared about it. I don't know how. It's yeah, no, I, I, there's definitely I like agree. Yeah, a certain level of guess misogyny is probably the right word, but I'm not sure how much is like is the movie being sexist and how much is just like that's the folklore. But I don't I don't know. I, I, I just don't know. I don't know. I'm well, talking in ramblies. Well, I mean, it's a it is a good point um, to make because, especially considering the end of this movie, um, mm-hmm. which we'll get to. But I will also mention that a lot of the imagery in this movie comes directly from uh, Goya yeah. um, and classic like uh, woodcuts and wood wood engravings about um, the occult and witchcraft and stuff like that. Um, with Thomason becoming a witch, is there, and, and, and the answer might be no, there's absolutely nothing. So again, please bear in mind that I might be completely off my rocker. Is there any kind of queer reading into Thomason becoming? I think there can be. I, I don't think it's explicit. I mean, much like the other things going on Definitely in this film. Definitely not explicit, but yeah. I wonder if there's just like, and again, like, can you imagine being in a family like this and being queer? Oh my god! Even just thinking, even if they're like just thinking about it, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think yeah. to them, everything in, like being sexual, yeah, is is queer to them. Um, you know, thinking about that part of your body and the or those parts of your body and feeling pleasure from 
those parts of your from your erogenous zones, you're always you're already going to feel like a deviant. Um, and of course, not to say that those are the same thing, but you know, again, like they're 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 uh, everything is um, not normal to them um, in their very limited scope. So, um, and so William wakes up in the morning, and the barn is busted open, and there's just children lying everywhere. Um, well, the, and- the twins aren't there. Thomason's there. The barn has exploded. The sheep have exploded, or the goats, rather. Yeah, uh, except for Philip, who uh, gores the fuck out of him and knocks him into his giant pile of firewood, um, which he's it's the only accomplishment he has is stacking this giant pile of cut firewood. And now Philip has taken even that away from him. Yeah, hoisted on his own pile of firewood. Um, also, <laughs> he says that he like takes the axe, and then he says very metal uh, declaration of uh, corruption: "Thou art my father." <laughs> I would love to see like the concept album that's like we're a heavy metal album. They're just retelling the story of the Vivich. I think they're out there. I think a lot of heavy metal albums aspire to evoke the kind of atmosphere and just sheer uh, horror of being. I mean, if you've ever been to like the Scandinavian countries in the wintertime, that's sort of the gist of it. Um, a Swedish friend of mine once invited me to come visit him and he was like, so what? when in the year do you want to come? Do you want to come when it's nice or do you want to come when it's metal? <laughs> Fuck. It's nice because there's one month. Yeah. That, should be, that should be like the country's tourism slogan. Why be nice when you can be metal? I mean, they do take it to extremes that are even too metal or I shouldn't say too metal that are, that are, that are too bad for metal. Like <laughs> um, the amount of, uh, research that i would suggest every time that you're into like a norwegian death metal band um is extensive because like 50 percent, maybe more than that chance they're racist but um i, I mean <sighs> yeah yeah i will never I, forget I, the time when i was like discussing with my wife like oh what sort of what sort of tattoo should i get if i get a tattoo and she was like oh you really like Thor. You should get uh, like a Thor tattoo. And I was like, ah, no, you should nope. not. <laughs> nope. Maybe racist ruined maybe it. Maybe if it's specifically Jack Kirby's Thor, but. Oh, just get like no, a like... Jack Kirby's Thor on your. Yeah. Like you, that's not. Yeah. I've, I've no just runes, got a tattoo no of Mjolnir. Chris Hemsworth. I've got a Something tattoo like of Chris Hemsworth's face right on my butt cheek. <laughs> <laughs> and then Tom Hiddleston on the other one. Absolutely. There you go. Um. I, I will always yeah. love the headline, which is like Marvel goes with pair of unknowns to headline Thor. Yeah, and that timing. Um. Yeah. Again, we talked about it when we did Cabin in the Woods, which like he got that Thor role on the strength of Cabin in the Woods dailies. Again, I don't think Cabin in the Woods has aged into a particularly good movie, but you can tell like that is old school Hollywood stuff star power that Hemsworth oh, yeah. is bringing. It's a big launch pad there. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, Not a good so, movie, uh, though. Don't watch Cabin in the Woods. Watch something better, like Scream. Watch Thor. Or the, or the Vich, or Thor, or Thor. Or Thor 4, more Thor. <laughs> that would be the best title. I thought he had <laughs> his start from Saddle Club. 
<laughs> that's right. He was a veterinarian I mean, on it. Oh, man. Yeah. That's right. I mean. Who doesn't love a hunky veterinarian? <laughs> right? I mean, I watched It's Creek. I know it's <laughs> up. <laughs> so, um. So, Ka- Catherine gets- finds Thomason standing over William. Yes. And, of course, blames her because that's her default. Um, she attacks her and tries to choke her out. Uh, Thomason hits her once with a cleaver to defend herself and her mom just doubles down on choking her so Thomason hits her a lot of times um, murders her is covered in her blood pushes her dead body off of her and then goes to take a nap yeah I mean because what else do you do after that yeah she just kind of I've never done a matricide but I imagine it's the kind of thing you gotta take a little breather after well, after all of the shit that just happened, like after Caleb went missing, all this should happen in like two days. Yeah. And I mean, she had to sleep, you know, with the twins in a goat shed. Um, you think night. you've had a bad weekend. Yeah. <laughs> These kids had it rough. Um, yeah. And everybody reacts super differently, like I'm with s- trauma. Yeah. I'm still trying to, f- I, I had to rewind a few times and I tried to figure out exactly how the mechanics of black Philip like goring William worked. Cause I think like he would have had to have like gotten in front of William and then backed up in order to have made that goring work happen. Sure. I mean, th- any number of things could have happened. He could have bit him. He could have bit him and pulled off, pulled his liver out. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think like he would have to get his head down all the way and yeah. charge him. And yeah. It's like, probably, I mean, those horns are pointing straight back. Like you had to like, you had to get creative with that black Philip, aka the devil. Well, I mean, yeah, speaking of which, is... he is he is waiting for her when she wakes up from her nap. Um, she really wants to talk uh, because she knows that Black Philip supposedly talked to Jonah and Mercy, and she wants to have a chat with him. She wants to know if he really talks. Uh, what luck he actually does! And he has a cool book he wants her to sign. Um, also, he has a cool hat and boots. Um, also, he wants her. He wants to feed her butter and take her on a tour of the world. Um, I love Jeremy. That she's- everyone, we need to 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 pay homage to the fact that this is the most important line in the film, and this is the line that all of the merchandise, whether it's licensed or not, has been built around. Wouldst thou like to live deliciously? It's a great line, and at this point. Thomason is so at the end of everything. She's just like, Jesus didn't work out. I'm going to try the goat. Fuck it. I, I don't want to die. No one's I, judging me anymore. There is no God here. Um, I and- love how this farm life is just so goddamn shitty that the devil's just like, we got butter and decent dresses. <laughs> Eating butter was considered a sin to the Puritans. Like, that's how fucked up they are. Is they're like, nope, Jesus butter's bad. Fuck. Yeah, that and then- such a fucked up religion. And my religion makes us cut off parts of our dicks. Bloodletting. <laughs> um, uh, we also need to talk about Daniel Malik, um, who is the voice of Black Philip, and also presumably so the silhouette of Black Philip. It is a professionally handsome man. Yeah. He is a a very handsome man. Uh, Only exists sort of in a shadow and as a voice in this movie, Um, but would kill as like a sexy Lucifer in, you know, something like this. I I know that's not the vibe they're going for at this point in the movie, but uh, it's a very, very attractive dude. 
just having him behind the camera, even though we see his feet, maybe his hat and his glove, like we see nothing but blackness and hear his voice. And you're, I'm already like, my pants are off. My pants are in the other room. I have removed my shift. Right. Also, uh, for listeners who may have trouble finding him online, in this movie, he is credited as Wahab Chandri, but has since changed his name to Daniel Malik. Okay. That's, so, that's good. Yeah. Good. Uh, just if you're out there. trying to look him up and trying to find him online info that and this exchange is pretty great because thomason is like do you, do you talk like can you can we talk and uh the he's like what does thou? and she's like well what do you got which i'm like girl you are asking the questions What's you are capable like taste of butter she's like for starters just get me the fuck out of here yes i would like to travel the world and see it i can show you the world Take you wonder by one. <laughs> Don't you dare close your eyes. I, we deserve a movie where he <laughs> and shows his amazingly handsome face. I mean, I'd let him show me the world over sideways. <laughs> I did it to myself. How did that happen? I said it, and then I drank water, and I just, you started laughing, and then I started storing water. It's horrible. Uh, I'm out of water, so I'm good. It's a trial. Welcome to a classic, progressively horrified, random-ass tangent. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. Uh, She's cool with that, and signs the book, and strips down, and follows him out to a real rager going on in the woods. Um, She walks all the way to Sebastopol, California. Well, I'm not uh, exactly sure how, like big this forest is because there's a scene where like she gets knocked out and then her dad's calling for her and they only made it like 30 feet into the woods the, they're crazy it's crazy magic woods yeah it's it's nuts yeah and there 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 are witches flying out here she decides to to do some flying um she's having a great time first time she smiled all movie i think and then we're done i, I feel yeah. like i feel like the message is be a witch it's more fun Yes, live deliciously. Um, I mean, look, there's a reason we say be gay, do crimes. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, basically, like, live deliciously is the Puritan era version of that. Um, Doth the homosexuality and be the criminals. I'm not good at doing pilgrim talk. (laughs) Would still like the taste of... um, yeah, that's okay. So I know this is time to talk about the talking points. And I want to get back to Sweeney, what you said about mm-hmm. the old witch versus this depiction of this witch's Sabbath, which is a bunch of young women um, in firelight. And again, this is a very Goya esque image of these women just kind of floating up. And it's very beautiful and artistic and there's firelight and you got the the film speed and everything and the kind of uh cacophonous music and the chanting and it's fucking awesome um and these are the this is the ideal now this is you know thomaston's uh her escape her um exodus out of this this horrible horrible situation that she survived and now she's with a bunch of religious term yeah very fitting sure. for the movie. Uh, yeah, I mean, and then she's, but she's now like with a bunch of sexy wishes. Mm-hmm. And before, with the exception of Caleb's vision, 
the witch is always depicted as this older woman uh, who has a very natural body, mm-hmm. but um, the way that it's lit is not what a lot of uh, films would, you know, film directors would consider. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Flattering. It's not romantic lighting. Yes. I feel like it's just at that point, it's hitting a stereotype that we've had in The Shining. We've had yes. Midsummer. We've had an It, the second, um, the second of the new movies. Mm-hmm. Of this like idea of like, here's something that is supposed to make you feel, again, unsettled, weird, because it's the body of an old woman. And it's just cliche and... I don't like what it says. Yeah. I mean, it is classically making a monster of a person of age. Mm-hmm. The same way that other films will make a monster of a person of disability. Exactly. Um, and uh, that, while it is very traditional depiction, you know, th- a lot of this film is all about how traditional depictions are bunk, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it does seem a little bit counterintuitive with the, the overall message of the film. Otherwise, I would, you know, this, this film is lauded as being extraordinarily, fem- well, maybe not extraordinarily feminist, but relatively feminist, mm-hmm. where the solution of the problem was to live deliciously and be yourself and be empowered as a woman. I, um, I, yeah, I know that it's, it's one of the hitting points. So I don't know if I should like embark in like this right away, but I have to admit that I kind of disagree that it's like a femi. Yeah, well, let's talk about yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, please. Because a lot of people, I mean, so much of the hype around this movie mm-hmm. was around it, its resolution, which is barely a minute yeah, of the and film. The resolution for me, it's her living, like she, she is like, she left her family and her like patriarchal circle to go to another because satan is another male figure who's she whom she like signed her soul to and Mm -hmm. she now belongs to him there's even that line where she says like i can't write my name she's like i'll guide your hand like this male presence is even guiding her in doing this act that's supposed to be her expressing agency Mm -hmm. yeah and also one of the criticisms that she has for her dad earlier is that he is essentially like what one may call whipped. He's like- uh, He says the mother is his master. Yes, thank you. Yeah, I I think it's a a really interesting um, thing because I feel like the reading of this as feminist ties very closely to the, the reading of it that has led to it being like a mainstay of like this the satanic church um Mm -hmm. like they're very they're very into this movie they've done several like official viewings of it as this sort of like i i think it has a lot to do with her sort of making this choice to go against uh the the sort of religious teachings and um you know sort of forge her own destiny as that as as i don't know they they would put it here um, although I think Calvinists would say that she was always destined to uh, be a witch here. Um, yeah. She was always if wicked. Any, this just had to bring it out. But I, I think... If there's any moral to this movie, I think it's don't listen to Calvinists. 
Yeah. 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 I I think that the movie is more about the um the the way that toxic trauma, abuse, and all of that can affect somebody and push them away and Mm -hmm. and basically force them to become that which they fear Mm -hmm. Um, Uh, i think when when i think the message is very much in in the sort of like when when we act and live out of fear we create the monsters that we're afraid of like yeah yeah i mean always a an important message um (laughs) literally always especially in this country yeah and and the the points made about that um i think are really really important um however the i think it is a little bit naive to discount everything that happens to the women in this movie and all of the depictions of women in this movie in order to focus on thomason's choice to be a witch and you know how if you isolate that scene and -hmm. if you isolate you know her decision to live deliciously yes you can say okay that's empowering but it really does feel like the tagline to a fancy chocolate company. <laughs> it, I, it, it should be. Um, like, that could be good dive as next tagline. And and I'm all for it. And I'm all for that, you know, the sentiment that people are trying to evoke by isolating that, but it's still not really fair to the film and it's not fair to the message and the, the kind of trauma that the film is really about. The the yeah. It's complicated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like a lot of people have celebrated the end of this movie seemingly out of context um mm-hmm. you know of, of the rest of this movie yeah as you said i, I don't think it, it hits particularly feminist um you know i think the mom is in a lot of ways uh, you know she is grieving but in a lot of ways she's also a very unsympathetic character um mm-hmm. oh absolutely know, yeah i mean and the the witch is you know definitely portrayed to be creepy because she is old um because she has an old body and they they mm-hmm. definitely shoot it yeah. in ways that it's like meant to be scary because she's old and naked uh, as yeah. compared Sweetie, to young and naked where it's sexy Sweetie, i think you completely hit the nail on the head on yeah. why this feminist mm-hmm. yeah um another thing that like like you said about the the mother figure like she for me uh, in my point of view the 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 reason she dislikes her daughter it's because of that she is becoming a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that like, I've listened to reviews and all of that. And that wasn't like, I, I didn't see it like talked about. And mm-hmm. like uh, growing up as like, as a teenager, I remember dealing with something similar with my mother. And I'm like, this is something that is really real mm-hmm. um, yeah. and uh, really relatable and important to be shown and um, shows into like the trauma and um, also the reason why at the end she goes with the witches, even though, like we said, there's like this patriarchal figure, but it's like women who seems to be accepting her, Mm -hmm. which it's not something that she had. Yeah, I mean, as her mom is attacking her in that final scene with her mother, she's saying, I love you. Mm-hmm. and she is screaming i love you like she's not even she's barely defending herself and she even lets her mom strangle her a little bit longer before she decides that she can't die and you know she's survival instinct kicks in and she has to attack her mom but she she is not aggressive towards mm-hmm. her mother 
and her mother is nothing but aggressive towards her. Yeah, um, and her, her mother says, I mean, I think her mother projects it throughout, but her mother says uh, that she, you know, is, is showing her body and tempting Caleb and that next yes. it is or would be her father yeah. at one point. And yeah, that is right. Ugh. Part yeah. of me was almost glad for that line just so the incest subplot had some kind of payoff. Mm-hmm. That, well, at least that they acknowledged it. Yeah. Then that, that it was. Yeah. Yeah. That it was bad. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's been said or, but it feels like for me, the mother was definitely outside of like her beliefs being like their beliefs being absolutely crazy. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if she was like suffering from like, uh, I, don't, I remember the term, but it's like post, um, the yeah, postpartum depression. Oh yeah. No, I mean, I think that she's, yeah. she, that uh, Kate is, suffering a lot of trauma mm-hmm. throughout this entire situation i mean all these people are are going through a traumatic experience um she's trying to get her jesus wet dreams back yeah she's she hasn't had her jesus wet dreams and now she sees this youth um and life and her daughter and she is mourning the loss of that in herself she mm-hmm. is uh afraid of the temptation you know she's original sin eve apples it's all there. Um, and, uh, and just like people who are going through psychosis um, and they have developed a particular paradigm of how, you know, religion being one of those important factors in the paradigm of, of how you see the world, um, you will notice symbols uh, that will kind of appeal to your worldview and whether that has to do with good omens, bad omens, paranoia, mm-hmm. you know, so um that's where i feel like a lot of this film relies on that idea of the unreliable narrator that you know we're seeing this film through the the puritan eyes of these characters um but the fact that we know so much about their culture helps us define that um that worldview as inherently toxic um and and i think you know talking about the uh, you know the trauma and, and mental health and stuff in this uh, there is a theory that uh, gets pushed around the internet a lot specifically that uh, maybe a lot of this isn't supposed to be or isn't as supernatural as it seems um, you know their their corn does it is rotting and has ergot on it and uh, yeah. ergot's hallucinogenic uh, they, uh, they think it led to a lot of the you know real life stories of, of people being possessed and witchcraft and things like that. Um, you know, historically, um, I, I think if that's intentional, it's kind of a cop out seeing the number of, uh, bits of, of story that we do that, you know, nobody would be there to witness, uh, from the family who would be hallucinating. Um, but you know, it, it is, they're, they're definitely under stress and there's definitely trauma all around that's then being, you know, visited, again on these children i think it's interesting actually that because it's like they show it at, when we see the, the crop of the corn and all that we see we see that like that mold we see it so i think it's cool that they added that layer because even though for the movie we have this supernatural aspect and we have we have that we know it but in real life if you if we think about yeah the, that's the way they were thinking that was their beliefs and they were 
that extremist and when the witch trial like started and that, that all that frenzy and all of that if this is actually what happened they had trauma they mm-hmm. had a lot of things to deal with so I feel like everything that is happening in the house if you take out the the the, the witch in the woods and all of that it's probably pretty close to reality mm-hmm. and I think that's the scary the scariest part of the movie that it's probably very very close to what really happened yeah no i agree because um all of the supernatural elements of this movie could very easily be hallucination Mm -hmm. um because the scariest thing about the movie is about is is how these people treat each other um Mm -hmm. and you know the the witch being real i think doesn't quite matter to the story for me um because I'm always interested in this, the idea of subjective reality of, of you know, uh, what defines the existence of something. If, you know, like a mythological idea, if it is real to a bunch of people, you know, and how that can get out of hand. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of... Um, For more on that, see our episode about Candyman. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I think that the, and the scariest things about this movie are things that really happen and that still happen and this movie could easily be a family drama um and all the same things could be happening in it or should, well i mean it is a family drama but Lars von Trier <laughs> shit, you know. yeah yeah it's like a large word family drama it could be a modern times drama and you know the the witch could be any sort of um misunderstood thing you know it could be 5G, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, uh, but I think it's a really fantastic kind of dark mirror to show this family dynamic with these Puritans because you can separate yourself enough for, uh, to, from the situation to see what's wrong with it. But then you can also, there's things that are so relatable that you can say like, okay, so yeah, this is, this is what is happening here. This is, this is toxic and this is abuse and this is um, just fucking foobard um so the uh the the idea of the witch i can understand why people would like just focus on the ending because they're like wow that was really horrible and this is the coolest thing that's happened so you know this is like the most fun thing i should say this happened so far she's free yeah she's finally free and is you know but it's also it's the same way of like at the end of pan's labyrinth spoilers you know when she's free she's dead you know Mm -hmm. um is thomason dead is she, or, or is she just tripping out the woods? Is she actually a witch? Doesn't matter, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think that the, the 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 important point is that she was driven to all this by the um, the abuse. Yeah. Um, and she doesn't. And it's not like she ever goes. We ever see her go crazy and like kill. You know, she ends up killing her mom just out of necessity because her mom is crazy and attacking her. Um, she is she becomes everything that she becomes what they fear like we were saying earlier um and she was pushed to that by the toxic uh by the abusives going on the whole time by the toxic relationships without throughout her family um yeah absolutely um yeah i I don't think there's much for us to say about race portrayed in this movie um you know they they very intentionally don't live near any uh you know, we, we see a couple of Native Americans at the beginning, um, but they, they don't live near them or anybody uh, anybody else, period. It's just, you know, this one family. 
Um, and I don't know that there's a great deal to say about class other than they're, they're poor and struggling. Um, but uh, um, we talked a little bit about LGBTQIA peoples and themes in this as far as... Um, there might be some, like, some lines you can read between and find some subtext, but there, there is no text to speak of. There's nothing explicit in the movie beyond just the general queer by queer themes you can get from any stitches. Yeah, I mean the the Sabbath at the end involves a lot of uh, naked women, exclusively naked women, thrashing around. Um, but there is Black Philip and 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 or the actual real devil who is probably in this case just basically a fertility god just kind of Baphomet baby. situation. David Malik, who I can confirm is devilishly good looking. <laughs> I mean, yes. I mean, again, uh, over sideways and under, but <laughs> you know, the, the, uh, it doesn't matter how, what kind of preference these people have, you know, it's the sexuality that is the, uh, the mystical part, mm-hmm. you know, whether yeah. they're, you know, I mean, it has, it has queer themes not. in as much as they are as anti any desire as you know modern day puritans are anti queer mm-hmm. desire um uh yeah i i think um i guess to, to answer our final question here like do you guys think this was worth seeing i i absolutely think it is yes 100%. absolutely yes yeah. um Just mind the triggers yes do do mind the triggers uh now uh Having seen this, if people enjoyed this, are there other movies you would recommend? Sweeney, do you have anything you'd recommend people see? Uh, well, definitely The Lighthouse. It's, it's the same idea of um, isolation, mental health uh, was really, um, and it's just two people put in the bad situation. Things go sideways. Um, yeah. It's really good. Yeah. Uh, Emily, what you got? Um, I would also recommend Green Knight. Um it's uh, kind of picks up on the same sort of um, structure as the witch in terms of uh, the origin being like very, very traditional um, storytelling and then just going nuts with it. Green Knight is less organized than the witch is in terms of the story. Yeah, it's a quest uh, story. It's weird to yeah, it's a, a family and, but drama. It is, yeah, it's not a family drama. It is an odyssey and it is odd and there is a sea. Um, it's really cool. Um, also, if you like the spookiness and just being scared by an idea of a witch in the woods, the Blair Witch Project, yeah, Ooh, yeah. <laughs> there's something about the forest that can be so terrifying that this movie does fantastically in a completely different way that that movie does. Um, and I would argue that that movie is more feminist than this one. <laughs> Oh, probably a hundred percent. Yeah, <laughs> like you said, the forest is like a character in itself. Yeah, um, and the uh, the the witch in the Blair Witch Project, we never actually um, spoilers, or maybe we do. I don't know. There's some there's some stuff out there. That there's you got. a sequel that's very bad. Oh, I forgot about that. Mercifully, it's also you forgot a remake. About I haven't seen the remake, but what? No. There's a remake, and then there's also a video game. Now, um, I feel like the way to do a modern remake of the Blair Witch Project is to release it as a series of 12 TikTok videos. 
Yeah. Honestly, yeah. Or on YouTube or something. Yeah. You'll never experience it the, the same way it came at the time where everybody was saying that, like, it's a documentary that was, like, retrieved. It's real. And, like, if you watched it believing that, it, like, added such, like, a great layer to the movie. Yeah. No, I, I was mostly convinced <laughs> when I first saw it. Yeah. <laughs> Because also there wasn't Google and you couldn't like mm-hmm. look up all of the, uh, the, the names or anything like that. You couldn't do any research to, to research the, um, the fidelity of the claims that people were making. And then they also had like a documentary episode about the team of people that found, it was like on Fox. Of course it was on Fox, <laughs> um, but there was a, they had a show that was like, this is the team of people that found the remains in the tape. And they had a whole show about that. Um, and that I was, was- The whole era where we were getting like lost and like the alternate reality games, like marketing was getting real like innovative and crazy with like yeah. back in the early 2000s. Yeah, so, um, but yeah, Blair Witch Project, uh, very different film, but will scare you just as much. Yeah, uh, Ben, what have you got? Uh, I would say if you want some more pilgrimy times with maybe a little more nuanced exploration of gender and the way gender is treated in that era, uh, go. I mean, you probably read it when you were a sophomore in high school, but if not, check out The Scarlet Letter. Uh, that was one of them high school readings. I'm like, I actually really like this book. It's very complex, complex themes to chew over. Yeah. Um, I was wondering whether you're going with The Crucible there. Yeah, I was going to say. Um, but uh, yeah, otherwise, in terms of, um, you know, I'm trying to think of, uh, I would say if you want some more kind of like New England style horror, I would recommend The Haunting of Hill House. Oh, yeah. And Hocus Pocus. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's a default. I recommend you always be watching Hocus Pocus. The, the, the Haunting of the House is really good. But I did end up reading the book that it's like the, the novel that it's based on the turn of the screw and it's it's perfect. It's a mm-hmm. really good, scary, like small ghost story. Yeah. Good short story. Um, I do want to real quick. Uh-oh. You're amending? Uh the work of Emily Carroll. Yeah. Also has oh, fantastic nice. imagery, um, similar horror themes. Very mm-hmm. good. Yeah. Um all right, I got a couple. Uh, we've talked a little bit about some of the movies that come out through uh, A23. I feel like if The Witch is your vibe, then other A23 movies a- probably are as well. A- A23 was the prequel. Now we're on to A24. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, of course, uh, The Witch, The Green Knight, um, Midsummer and Hereditary, which we've pretty much talked to death at this point, even though we haven't actually covered either of them um uh it comes at night is another um a23 creepy out in the woods film it's more of a post-apocalyptic maybe it's zombies but the the actual what it is doesn't matter so much as the human interaction um in in the movie and the you know paranoia and all that um those are all things that are worth checking out if you're looking more for witch related stuff um you know, I, I mentioned The Crucible. Uh, the Crucible is a pretty good play. Um, and it, it deals specifically with the Salem Witch Trials stuff um, and, and, you know, is obviously intended to be a parallel to McCarthyism um, at the time. 
there's also the uh, comic from Scott Snyder and Jock, Witches, uh, which is still, I think, unfinished. They've finished you know, an arc of it. There's a trade worth of it out there that's very good and very creepy. Um, and also deals with a pretty, pretty loose idea of what witches are. <laughs> um, and then uh, the podcast Blackwood, which is uh, another sort of creeping out in the uh, in the wilderness, dealing with uh, spooky entities and creepy trees and things like that. Um, it's worth checking out, and I, I believe that's finished. So you can just sit down and listen to the whole thing. Um, so lots lots of cool stuff to check out. Um, but that wraps us up for now. Uh, why don't we go ahead and let people know where they can find us online? Sweeney, where can people find you and your work online? Um, I'm everywhere. Instagram, Facebook, uh, Sweeney Boo is so fantastic. And you've got uh, both both Joker and uh, Captain Marvel on the stands now, right? You can go check uh, out. Yes, actually, I do. Um, the last uh, issue, the Joker issue six, came out yesterday. And um, our last issue of Captain Marvel came out last. Awesome. And uh, Emily, where can people find you online? Um, look up the Megamoth. Um, or just Megamoth. No, the uh, Megamoth on Twitter. Pretty much everywhere. Patreon. Megamoth.net. Uh, except for Instagram, where there is an underscore between Mega and Moth. So that's Mega underscore Moth. Um, art and cat pictures. Awesome. And uh, Ben, where can people find you online? Uh, yeah, you can find all my works uh, digitally on Comixology. You buy it physically at bencomics.com. Uh, follow me on Twitter at, at Bencon. And then Renegade Rule uh, is out in stores. Uh, queer VR gaming goodness. And then my next comic, uh, in the graphic novel tie-in to Immortals Phoenix Rising, is, av- is available for pre-order now. Awesome. And uh, as for me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at jrome58. That's J-R-O-M-E-5-8. I am at jeremywhitley.com. And currently you can pre-order the second book of School for Extraterrestrial Girls, uh, which I wrote. And uh, Jamie, who you heard on our Godzilla episode last week, uh, Drew, um, the second one is on pre-order. The first one is available now to just go buy for fun. as for the podcast, Progressively Horrified is on Patreon at patreon.com slash progressively horrified on Twitter at Prog Horror Pod. And our website is progressivelyhorrified.transistor.fm. We would appreciate it if you subscribe, rate, and review so that other people can find the podcast as well. But that does it for us. I do want to thank Sweeney so much for joining us, Sweeney. It was a ball. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sweeney. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was great. Of course. course. This was thank you so much for coming. This was a blast. This was a total blast of a movie both to watch and discuss. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, it was it was the witchcraft. (laughs) (laughs) And thanks as always for Ben and Emily for joining me. And thank you to all of you for listening. Until next time, stay horrified. Progressively Horrified is created and produced by Jeremy Whitley. This episode featured Jeremy Whitley, Ben Kahn, Emily Martin, and Sweeney Boo. All opinions expressed by the commentators are solely their own and not intended to represent the intent or opinion of the filmmakers, nor do they represent any of the employers, institutions, or publishers of the commentators. Our theme music is Epic Darkness by Mario Cole 06 and is provided royalty-free from Pixabay. 
Support us on Patreon or contact us on Twitter at Prague Horror Pod or by email at progressivelyhorrified at gmail.com. Mm-hmm.